Good, Good morning, morning camper. camper. Today's activities will include oh, solving a mystery. Zoinks. Lunch today will be a three-foot-tall sandwich. And to end the night, we'll be unmasking the Phantom. It's actually Old Man Jenkins. Old Man Jenkins. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into Scooby Natural. Scooby Natural. Marishka Hargate, Sarah. Marishka Hargate, Sam. I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestler manager. And I'm camp counselor, Sarah. Turns out I didn't need these glasses all along. I've been blind the whole time. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're pop we're popping into divular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. Thank you for that spoonerism. <laughs> we are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. Scooby Natural! Scooby Natural. So today is a little different because we're not talking about a film. We're not talking about a, a series kind of as a whole. We're talking about one very specific episode from the long, long running TV show, Supernatural. This is from season 13, episode 16, Scooby Natural. Um, so you've seen all of Supernatural, right? I have. <laughs> you say it like, for my sins, to for serve penance, I watched all of Supernatural. Uh, I, I've been through it with the good and the bad and the great and the awful because the consistent quality of the show, while it's not there, its overall story is actually pretty fun and compelling. Yeah, it seems like it sort of stumbled ass backwards into a huge mythology. Yeah, it really does feel like this is not the end of the show is definitely not where they were going at oh, first. You don't, you don't think that actually super, <laughs> super hell for the gays it actually exists? <laughs> you don't uh, think old man Sam with flour in his hair is compelling? No, I, I, I really don't think Eric, Eric Kripke woke up one day and said, I'm going to make a really long-lasting supernatural TV series. Yeah, this this show, I think it was supposed to... I think it was like Lost, where it was like supposed to be five seasons or something like that, and then they just <laughs> blew right past it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it very clearly had a definitive end built into it around season five mm -hmm. uh, with the death of one of the brothers. Can't remember which one, because guess what? Both they of them die a lot. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I remember when Sam died. I remember when Dean died. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when Sam and Dean died. I remember when Sam died again to save Dean from dying. And then Dean dying again to save Sam from dying. And yeah, it's it's the back and forth of it is part of the ridiculous nature. And then every time you're like, okay, I've got the show figured out. They like to go, oh, and by the way, turns out that... Sam is meant to be the true vessel for Satan and that Dean is meant to be the true vessel for Michael. And you're like, all right, cool. All right. What else? Oh, they have a third brother. All right. Will he be mentioned what again? Else? No, he will not. Oh no, he does come back and then he dies. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a really wild up and down show for, for me to sit down right now and explain all that to you would be the episode. Yeah, uh, and that's without even getting into formerly a small guest role for Castiel, who then mm -hmm. became the third lead. Yeah, yeah. The, the amount of characters who started as guest roles and then became, oh, fans love you. We'll keep you around for a bit. Yeah, unless they're women. Uh, I think there's one female character who stays around far longer than you'd expect her to. Felicia Day? No, no. Felicia Day, they they fridge pretty hard yeah. later on. And then unfridge her, like the season after that. Yeah. 
Um, it was Rowena, the witch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who was, uh, I don't know, talking about this whole thing as a whole is, so if you want to, go watch the series. If you don't, that's totally fine. Yeah. If you are interested in various Western mythologies and religions, especially Abrahamic religions, I think you will find it very interesting. Um, If you like uh, CW handsome guys taking their shirts off, you will find it very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm not here to talk about Supernatural today. You're here to talk about Scooby-Doo? I'm not here to talk about Scooby-Doo either. I know, I know. I am here to talk about Frank Welker. Oh, okay. I was actually just listening to a podcast that was discussing Frank Welker's work earlier today. This is a crazy coincidence. Spooky, spooky. (laughs) Born Franklin Wendell Welker on March 12th, 1946, in Denver, Colorado, to parents Lillian and Merrill Welker. Nice, easy start to it. Then we're going to go off the rails. (laughs) (laughs) One day, young Frank Welker visited a farm, and he was struck by lightning. (laughs) And then he said, yes, father, I will become a voice actor. (laughs) So is Frank Welker the voice of uh, Scooby in this episode? Okay. We're going to get to that in a okay. second. Okay. As of today's check on IMDb, which is Sunday, April 6th, April 17th, 20th. Year of Our Lord. Can you guess? Uh, Year of Our Lady. Uh, can you guess how many credits just in acting Frank Welker has on IMDb? So when you say that you mean like removing like producer credits and things like that. Yeah. No producer credits, no uh, special thanks to just okay. acting. Uh, I'm going to shoot high and say 800. Higher. Oh my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> Try again. Okay. Um, is it over a thousand? No, lower. Okay, uh, nine hundred. Lower. Eight hundred and fifty. Higher. <laughs> this is gonna go on for a while. Eight seventy-five. You are so close. Eight seventy-two. Damn, that's 800, insane. Eight hundred and seventy-two credits, with all of it starting back in nineteen sixty-nine. I believe Frank Welker is the um, person who has appeared in the most Disney movies as well. Maybe. I didn't get that statistic. But uh, for 872 credits, this makes him one of the most prolific voice actors of all time. Really? You don't say? Yeah. He has a total worldwide box office gross of... (laughs) 17.4 billion (laughs) dollars making him the third highest grossing actor of all time oh geez okay um who are the others um oh i have hmm. no idea look at those okay Okay. (laughs) this is just like holy shit so i'd like to present a game to you in in rolls robin you find yourself surrounded by Scooby snacks. And if you move or say the wrong thing, the Scooby snacks will fall on you and crush you to death. Oh no. Yes. The game is called, is it Frank Welker? Ooh. Okay. It's a simple yes and no. I'm going to lead a, read a list of characters for you. And you just have to tell me if, Frank Welker voiced this character. Okay, I know like three out of these 872 for certain. <laughs> All right. Number one, Fred Jones from Scooby-Doo. Um, let's say yes. Yes. Okay. Number two, Scooby-Doo. 
yes. Correct. Okay. Number three, Megatron from the Transformers series. Uh, what era? Uh, original. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Number four, Curious George. Curious George speaks? Uh, let's say yes. Yes. I'm starting to <laughs> notice the pattern. <laughs> Number five, Garfield. Yes. Yes. Six, Nibbler from Futurama. This was the one I knew. Yes. <laughs> yes. Number seven, Jabberjaw from J Jabberjaw. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number eight, Astro, the dog from the Jetsons. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number nine, a bunch of different Smurfs. Yes. Yes. Number 10, Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Wow. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Number 11, Slimer from the real Ghostbusters. Yes. Yes. Number 12, the Beagle Boys from various incarnations of DuckTales. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number 13, Santa's Little Helper. Yes. Yes. Number 14, Abu the monkey from Aladdin. Yes. Yes. Number 15, Pegasus from the Hercules movie. Yes. Yes. Number 16, the Martians from Mars Attacks. You know, ack, ack. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> number 17, Totoro from My Neighbor Totoro. Yes. Yes. <laughs> number 18, Spock. Uh, yes. Yes, he provided the screams for Spock in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say animated series. No, that was Leonard Nimoy. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> number 19, the sexy alien lady from Species. Natasha Henstridge? Uh, yes. Yes, he did in her weird alien form. And number 20, Max the dog from The Grinch. Yes? Yes. Yes, he did. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you did it. Congratulations. I'll take those Scooby snacks now, please. Thank you, Robin. Goodbye. I was just thinking it'd been a while since we'd seen you. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, so uh, turns out Frank Welker, prolific voice actor. God damn. Like, I, and that's me just picking and choosing certain ones from certain things. If I gave you a list of the characters, we'd be here for the rest of the day. So Frank Welker began his career as a stand-up comedian and impressionist in the 1960s before, before he transitioned to on-screen acting and then voice acting. His first major break as a voice actor was the voice of Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo, which he would go on to continue to voice Fred in almost every iteration of the Scooby-Doo franchise, except for a pup named Scooby-Doo and the film Scoob. So Casey Kasem gets the glory, but he's the one who's actually been riding this train since the start. He is the only original actor from the original series who still works on Scooby-Doo. Good lord. To be the voice of this 20-something-year-old man. I was like, I didn't, this did not sound like an old man. No. He's real good at his job. Yeah. Uh, he's provided the voice of Scooby-Doo continuously since 2002. So, in 1973, he voiced Wonder Dog, who's a character loosely based on Scooby-Doo, for the Super Friends series, and in the course of the same year would voice many, many more Hanna-Barbera characters. This led to a essentially this continual explosion of work for him, where it's like, okay, here's two characters. Okay, here's three more characters. Here's five more characters. Here's six more TV shows that we need you to do three characters each for them. Good on lord. And on. 
And he would become a mainstay of voice acting, not just in cartoons, but in Hollywood in general, because he also became one of the go-to animal sounds guys. That's why he's been in so many um, Disney movies is, like you say, with Abu or Pegasus or something like that. Uh, he is the guy who will do animal sounds. And that's part of why um, I know him as Nibbler because I listen to a bunch of the Futurama commentaries where he can do nibbler uh, weird animal noises, but he can also do that deep nibbler voice. Yes, the, the astute nibbler uh, vocabulary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So in 2016, Walker received a Lifetime Achievement Emmy at the 43rd Daytime Creative Arts Emmy Awards. Yeah, when you said $17 billion, that's not taking into account his TV work. No, no, that's just box office. Yeah. Uh, Outside of voice acting, he has had a long career on screen too, starting with a bit role in an Elvis film, The Trouble with Girls, in 1969. Nice. That sounds like the gayest Elvis movie, and as such, I'm for it. (laughs) He did several Disney films, including The Computer War Tennis Shoes. And uh, on TV, he's been this constant sort of not bit player, but a sort of mainstay of the variety and skit shows of uh, the 60s and 70s into the 80s, including Laugh-In, The Partridge Family, and The Smothers Brothers Show. You are most likely to have seen him in a live-action role in in Steven Soderbergh's 2009 film, The Informant, where he played Matt Damon's father. Oh, yeah. See, I just looked up an image of him, and I can't say that I necessarily recognize him, but I'm sure if I heard his voice, like his natural voice, I would instantly snap, too. Mm -hmm. He he definitely has a a voice that kind of undercuts all of his performances, right? You, You can... Like, if you're looking for it, you can tell a Frank Welker voice. While he did not voice Megatron in the first three Transformers films, he did provide various voices for other Decepticons and would voice Megatron slash Galvatron from the fourth film onwards. This is at the same time that he was continuously voicing Megatron and a bunch of the uh, Decepticons throughout the decades so he's been doing transformers forever the man works (laughs) and even if you want to compare him to the other sort of stars of voice acting that we have nowadays like to return to the futurama thing like maurice lamarche or billy west i love i love them but when you hear a billy west voice you still can say hey that's billy west Mm mm-hmm and I, I mean, just the fact that he's been going since 1969 Incredible. continuously, it's, it's wild. He, he must have one of the largest IMDb working pages. So that is kind of my background on Frank Welker. Like his, his whole seems to be this, what he's done on TV and for various voices and I, I would assume he loves it because he's not slowing down. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So just a little background then on Scooby-Doo and then Supernatural and then to get us to the, this episode. Okay. Scooby-Doo was originally broadcast from 1969 to 79 and has more or less been a mainstay of children's television since then with a total of 13 distinct television series. Okay. So basically you, you can turn on a TV channel somewhere in the United States and Scooby-Doo will be on it. A plot point in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The newest series that just uh, started coming out is called Scooby-Doo and guess who, in which the gang teams up with various celebrities to solve mysteries. And these various celebrities include Sean Astin, Jessica Biel, Steve Buscemi, Cher, Morgan Freeman, Whoopi Goldberg, Gigi Hadid, Lucy Liu, Malcolm McDowell, Alex Trebek, and of course, one, Al Yankovic. 
But weirdly enough, not the Canadian rock band, the Guess Who. No. No. Ridiculous. Not even Bachman Turner Overdrive. No. <laughs> Overdrive? I, I barely know her. <laughs> Uh, as for the TV show, Supernatural began on September 13th, 2005 and would run for 15 seasons, a total of 327 episodes. Created by Eric Kripke, about two monster hunting brothers, Sam and Dean, out on a sort of coast-to-coast journey to find their dad. It spiraled into saving the world multiple times and both brothers dying multiple times as well. Uh, the CW tried to kill the show in season six and seven by moving it to Friday, where inadvertently became a ratings titan for a Friday night. In case you campers don't know this, when scheduling television throughout the week, Friday is kind of the we send a TV show there to die because most people aren't staying in Friday nights to watch television. Mm-hmm. And you got to think a lot of this show was running during the old days where people couldn't watch the episode on demand. Yeah. But when they moved it to Friday in an effort to be like, okay, we're putting it out to pasture to let it slowly die on its ratings. uh, Turns out all the fans moved with it to Friday night and it became one of the biggest Friday night TV shows in its time slot consistently. If I could say anything in this world is permanent, uh, never start a land war in Asia and never underestimate the devotion of Supernatural fans. They love this fucking show. <laughs> I, I made an allusion last week um, to the fact that like, I'm not a Supernatural fan, but I am surrounded by them because when you are a Doctor Who fan and to some point a Sherlock fan, uh, there was an era there. I, w- I was never really on Tumblr, but the Tumblrness oh. of it spread. The Doctor Who lock of it all? Yes, exactly. Super Who lock. Super Who lock. That was it. Super Who lock. Yeah. Um, But once they moved it back to Thursday, it uh, continued to keep generally the same amount of viewership uh, with a steadily declining from season to season until the end of its run. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to catch you up on the plot of either Scooby-Doo or Supernatural to get to this season, other than you have to understand Sam and Dean are brothers who love each other very, very much. Sam is the level-headed, like, I'm going to look at things logically. Dean is the Russian guns ablazing. Also, I sure do like having all the sex with ladies, except maybe I'm bisexual as well. Uh, and, except uh, them for the finale where they say that gay people go to super hell. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, there's some unfortunate things that happen in this show and, uh, quietly we can just look over most of them because this episode has almost nothing to do with any of it. This episode is a hell of a lot of fun. I remember when it got announced and everybody <sighs> went, that's the weirdest crossover I've ever heard of. And, Somehow, it works perfectly. It it makes absolute sense for both of the shows. Scooby-Doo has had a very long, long career of doing guest spots with various characters like WWE or um, the Harlem Globetrotters or Batman, right? Isn't they, there they've a had crossover episode with uh, like a crossover movie with Kiss. Yes, yes, they did have a crossover movie with Kiss. Like, Scooby-Doo, this is nothing new to them. Supernatural, this idea of doing a Scooby-Doo Supernatural episode was kind of in the works for a while. It was something I think the fans, more so than anybody, put forward. And just over time, they were like, you know what? Sure, why not? We can make this work. Like This is season 13 of supernatural by season five or six they were discussing the fandom of the show within the show like the weirdness line has been crossed several years earlier oh yeah definitely the um it it, 
later seasons, I think around like seven or eight, they introduce a group of high school girls who are putting on Supernatural, the musical, the stage play. Yeah, and there's a series of books that are that exactly match the episodes. This is in universe. They're not like novelizations or anything. No, and there's there's a supernatural convention within the supernatural TV show, basically mirroring the supernatural conventions outside of the TV show. Yes. They this is also not the first episode where they get sucked into a TV either. No, no. Weirdly enough, no. Uh, so we open with Dean and Sam fighting a giant stuffed dinosaur before they destroy the toy with holy oil. I went holy oil instead of water, but then it's quickly explained because they light the giant stuffed dinosaur on fire and then it explodes. Yeah, the holy oil thing was introduced a couple seasons earlier where it's one of those things of, uh, hey, we don't have much to fight angels, but holy oil burns them a lot. There you go. Uh, the store owner, Alan, thanks them and is very grateful. Uh, Alan's friend Jay comes in at this point, and he is introduced as the local landlord. So mm. in my heart, I'm immediately like, oh, this is the villain. Uh, it doesn't matter who the villain of the episode is, this is a villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, make an excuse for the mess, but Sam doesn't think that this is the end of like whatever spirit that was. So as thanks, Alan allows Sam and Dean to have something free from the store, and they take a big screen TV. As is want to happen, right? Because Dean has to set up his man cave, or his Dean cave, as he calls it, which makes no sense, really, because 100% of Dean's life is a Dean cave. <laughs> so I know I said that the, the show is a, a road sort of uh, men on the road going from town to town, solving problems and whatnot. Uh, By this point in the series, they had created a home base because it turns out, of course, they're not just demon hunters. They're descended from a long line of demon hunters and who were also started as a sort of government agency of demon hunters. So they inherit their... I don't know, government agency building hidden in the forests of Vancouver. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly like X-Files, where they travel from the mountains of Nebraska to the redwood <laughs> forests of Florida. All in Vancouver. They get sucked into the TV when Dean turns it on, and they immediately find their car in the cartoon world as well. They're like, hmm, let's investigate. We're both two-dimensional now. Uh, So they park at a malt shop, because it's the first place that they find. And what else is parked outside the malt shop but the mystery machine? They immediately discover they're not just in any cartoon. They are in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Uh, It's at this point that Dean says that he loves Scooby-Doo because uh, his dad, who is a whole piece of work, their dad dragged them all over when they were kids um, fighting demons. But no matter where their dad took them, there was always a TV and Scooby-Doo was always on. Yeah, it really does talk to the the Americana that is right? It's not just part of the zeitgeist, it's it's all in not all encompassing, but it's it's everywhere. It's it's on every channel at some point, right? And then we had it up here in in Canada as well, and I know I've watched it in other countries too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also points out that like the mystery, the Scooby Gang's uh, sort of raison d'être is exactly the same as the brothers. They go around, they hunt ghosts, they solve mysteries. And you kind of get the idea that Dean is like, this is the healthy version of the childhood that he lived through. (laughs) Which is incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. Um, These two are not, they they are not well-adjusted adults. No, these boys are not happy, and spoiler alert, they will never get to be happy. Oh, except for when they die. Um, so Dean fawns all over his childhood heroes, meets them in a booth, and says, like, hey, can we join you? And the gang goes, uh, sure? 
and immediately they are wrapped up in the Scooby Gang's next adventure. Their next adventure being that Scooby has inherited potentially a bunch of money from a civil war colonel that he saved from drowning in a pool pond once. Yes. Uh, a Colonel Sanders. Yeah, of course. Yes. Colonel Sanders. My bad for forgetting that name. Uh, yeah. So the idea is they get invited to the haunted house, which is gorgeous, by the way. I love the whole look of this episode. They clearly did not skimp on any of the animation here. Mm -hmm. Colonel Sanders' relatives and Scooby get to stay the night in the haunted house. And whoever uh, stays the whole night splits the inheritance of $1 million with the others. This is perfectly legal and done all the time with inheritances. Exactly. Right? Um, so unlike in the original run, they quickly discover one of the victims, Cousin Simple, was murdered when they discover his dead, dismembered body. And And it's not just like... You know, um, in, in the Scooby-Doo way of, oh, a dead body. It's They pull back the sheets, and there's animated blood everywhere, and a great big knife sticking out of his back. Yeah, the first time I watched this episode, which was at a convention, I was watching it with my friend Melissa, who watched me watch this part, because this is the part where you go, what the fuck? There's a lot of very gory Scooby Doo episode. <clears throat> There's a lot of really what the fuck moments in this for a Scooby Doo episode. For a supernatural, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, all right. But for Scooby Doo, you're bringing yourself up to this level of, are we allowed to do this in a Scooby Doo? The I think they tread this very carefully because obviously this is in done with the full cooperation of whoever handles Scooby Doo, right? So uh, they are very careful to uh, not have any of, for example, the Scooby Yang handle any incredibly violent weapons or anything like that. Yeah, nobody's terribly out of character at any point in this, although they all go through their Dark Knight of the Soul later on in the episode. Yes. Uh so the Scooby gang brushes it off and act completely blasé, despite the fact that they have never seen anything like this before. They all go like, hmm, weird. Maybe we should find some clues. Castiel joins them because he has been having an off-screen adventure finding the Tree of Life. Okay, so quick catch up as to who Castiel is. Castiel is an angel. And probably one of the last remaining angels at this point. Because there was a a heavenly civil war before it and they all killed each other off so now he's just generally helping the boys out kind of like the third brother in this scenario but not the actual third brother who's currently in hell yes so castiel joins them and uh when he describes how he got sucked into tv admitted purple sparks the brothers are like oh okay it's just like that dinosaur we fought they two must be connected must be um, so they are exploring the hallways and attacked by the phantom. They discover that the phantom is an actual ghost, but then they discover Cosgood Creeps, who was the executor of the will. And as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, he's the baddie of the episode. And Dean says, yes, he was supposed to be the baddie of the episode. When I watched this episode before, he was the bad guy. But this time he's been brutally murdered in a manner not similar to the cell. Yeah, he is in pieces with parts of him strung up from the ceiling. Yeah, or um, uh, Midsummer. There's a particular flaying in Midsummer that is not dissimilar to this. Yeah, it's, it's so gruesome, in fact, that Dean, who is the macho, macho man actually goes, I think I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want to talk about machismo and homophobia between these brothers just in this episode alone? Oh, yeah. 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 
but I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the whole Dean package, right? I think that's why so many people were drawn to the idea that maybe this is him overcompensating for some latent feelings he has towards other men. And, you know, they, they kind of pay it off in the season series finale, you know, 15 seasons of it all kept mounting to one kiss. And it's like, Oh, okay. All right. I guess. Exactly. Um, and they discovered that even though they're in a Scooby-Doo cartoon and ghosts aren't really real, uh, that this actually is a real ghost, just like the kind that they normally investigate. So uh, the group splits up to investigate, despite Dean saying it's a terrible idea because he actually does live in a horror movie. Uh <laughs> Sam and Delmeyer teamed up. He tries to tell her, like, listen, I, I shouldn't be telling you this, but this ghost is real. The supernatural is real. And she denies it because, in her experience, ghosts and monsters are only people, usually real estate developers. Usually real estate developers. This is also the scene where she starts talking about um, his shoulders. Oh, God. You and your big linebacker shoulders, you're just going to knock into everything. At which point Sam looks at her and says, why do you keep mentioning my shoulders? This is why I'm never allowed to meet Chris Evans. (laughs) This is exactly what would happen. Oh, oh, Chris Evans, or as my mom likes to call him, lovely, lovely Chris Evans. (laughs) No, Chris Evans' shoulders are a wonder, and if I ever met him, something exactly like that would come out of my mouth to my eternal shame. (laughs) You'd be just like, I'd love seeing you in a cable knit sweater. I'd love it even more if that cable knit sweater was on the floor. (laughs) I guess I was in a real shoot-your-shot mode, huh? (laughs) and he says yes yes sarah you're exactly the woman i've dreamt of and you fly off in your convertible into the sky (laughs) uh and at this point dean is in the library with daphne and fred he tries to hit on daphne again but she is solely in the fred camp um and dean not being a person who has lived in cartoons his whole life says hey there's this really obvious book that's sticking out because it's drawn instead of painted in the background i wonder if this is important i love this joke because it is the thing that it's like there's a trap door there how do you know there's a trap door there because i can i can see it painted on the floor yeah, it's a different They're shape same with the video game. I wonder if this particular bush has something behind it. Chop, chop, chop! Oh, look! Yeah, exactly. Uh, they pull on the book. This triggers a trap door that they fall into. Uh, the ghost then starts to attack. Everybody is chased around by the ghost. It is your classic Scooby-Doo hallway gag. I mean, they even played the Scooby-Doo theme song over it. It's great. It's great. It's it's perfect. It's like this. This is a love letter to Scooby-Doo. As often as they're making the jokes at the characters, it really is in the end to to be like, no, we love Scooby-Doo. The, these characters love Scooby-Doo. I mean, they they. Uh, Dean doesn't like Fred too much, but you know that's that's, that's the machismo coming through. Yeah, which is ridiculous because Velma's the real catch there. Well, you know, neither of them really float my boat. It wasn't until <laughs> later that I I realized, oh, this Daphne poster I have up in my bedroom. It's not because I think she's wildly attractive. Because I want to be her. Look at those boots. <laughs> you do want to. That is exactly the style you're going for. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so they all meet up and the phantom attacks them. Fred gets injured. Shaggy gets thrown out of a second story window. <laughs> and breaks his arm. He points out how dumb this is because he's fallen out of a plane before without getting hurt. He is freaking the fuck out because this is the first time that any consequence for a choice they've made. Like, 
are real. Right, so they're all conscious. outside and they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to comfort Shaggy, and Sam and Dean are like, I think we can better tell them. The paranormal is in fact real. This ghost is real. This destroys the Scooby Gang completely. <laughs> I love this scene of all of them independently trying to get a grip on their new paradigm of Velma just being like, Wait, so everything I've learned from science is a lie? That there's so much more to the world than what I can quantify? Vel- Velma is is great, but I the one I can't stop thinking about is Daphne, who goes, okay, so the afterlife is real. Does that mean oh, yes. is real? Does that mean hell is real? Am I going to hell? Is the question she screams. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, Daphne contemplating her immortal soul and then saying, I'm going to hell, aren't I? <laughs> The greatest joke anybody could have re- written for this episode. Oh, but Dean says it's okay. You know, like Sam and Dean have been through this hundreds of times before. They are exactly as blasé about this as the Scooby Gang is about taking off somebody's mask and going, "It's Jenkins." Uh, this is when also he opens the trunk of the car and shows them all their weapons and is about to offer them a shotgun. But Sam says, no, you don't understand. Uh, there are certain characters that we would not like to show uh, wielding shotguns because our <laughs> shareholders would get upset. We can't have Daphne blast somebody's fucking head off. Yeah, the last 20 minutes of this just becomes a Tarantino movie. Ah, uh, so many shots of Velma's feet for some reason. I was about to say, they both lose their shoes really early on. Oh no, it's the shoe-stealing ghost. So they set up an elaborate trap, because they're not allowed to use the weapons, obviously, where they are going to trap the ghost in a washing machine. The trap... <laughs> obviously fails because um, Castiel and Scooby and Shaggy instead end up in the washing machine. But it's okay. They had a backup plan because Fred's traps always fail and they trap the ghost in a circle of salt in the basement using the same trap door we saw before. So to set up this trap, it is in the library. Scooby and Shaggy are supposed to lure the ghost into the library, the ghost will trip on a chain because ghosts and iron can't interact well. You know, it hurts them. At which point, a whole thing of coconuts will fall and bonk him on the head, causing him to slip into a half pipe that they've constructed quickly, covered in soap, which will send him careening into the washing machine, which is also chained up because, again, iron. And Dean asks him, where did you get the coconuts? Never answered. Never answered. So because they knew that this trap would fail, the second trap is just a circle of salt. That's it. That's as simple as that. Super easy. I kind of like the idea that if you want supernatural merch, like you can go to Hot Topic, but you can also just buy salt at the grocery store. And that's also supernatural merch. You mean I didn't have to spend thousands of dollars on all these Sam and Dean Supernatural branded uh, salt shakers? Did they ever do a Dean Salmon where it was a Salmon Dean? Because that has money in it. I need you to leave this podcast immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to, uh, to get to our... Uh, conversation that was happening off mic where we were discussing everything everywhere all at once. There is a world where Dean is a salmon, and I would like to see that episode. I This is the thing I've been saying for years. If the multiverse truly is infinite, there's a universe where we as people are all space pirate lesbian lobsters. <laughs> well, lesbians and lobsters do both mate for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they both begin with L. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I'm in lesbians with you, Sam. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm in lobsters with you. Aww. Aww. Uh, so they discover that the ghost is actually just a sad little boy. It's very sad. He died. Yes. <laughs> That's how ghosts are made. <laughs> just like Casper, it's a very sad story. <laughs> Yet with so much less charisma than oh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his Sawa? name? Devin Sawa. Thank you. Devin Sawa, by the way, is very funny on uh, on Twitter. Uh, there was one point where somebody was like, "Who are you, dude? You're not even famous." And he's like, eh, "Ask your wife. She knows who Devin Sawa is." <laughs> oh, Canadian Devin Sawa. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he lives in uh, the GTA, which is why he makes all of his movies and TV shows here now. He was in Chucky. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so the the thing about how this boy got into these various effects is his soul is tied to a pocket knife that his dad gave him. Um, and the pocket knife was in the store. Jay, the landlord from earlier discovered somehow that this boy is tied to the pocket knife and has been using him to haunt various things. So he stuck the pocket knife into the giant stuffed dinosaur and that's why the dinosaur came to life when he heard that Sam and Dean were going to be investigating because they didn't think this was the end of the stuffed dinosaur story. He snuck the knife into the TV that they got. Yeah. And that's this, this is all in an effort to, I don't know, maybe, uh, run some people out of business on their specific business places so that he might be able to buy up the property super cheap. Hmm, hmm, hmm. It's brilliant. I, I gotta say it's brilliant. I didn't catch that the first time. It's very good. It's very good. Um, even as Sam says earlier in the episode, you know, there's easier real estate scams than this. <laughs> <laughs> so they make a say listen if you send us back to the real world we will put you to rest like this is literally what we do we can stop this from happening to you they're good guys they're good guys uh but before they leave they have to deal with the fact that they have introduced existential dread into the world of scooby-doo yeah now we return to the scooby gang still freaking the fuck out but it's okay because the ghost can shapeshift. So he dresses himself up as cause good creeps, uh, the executor, and says, you know what? This was a Scooby-Doo ending. It was just me the whole time. I was trying to steal the money. This uh, justify Velma's faith in science and Fred's faith in traps and Daphne's faith in everyone else. And... Even even Shaggy goes, huh, I guess my arm really wasn't broken. Noting that the, the paradigm within which Scooby-Doo exists has once more been established. Right, Castiel healed him because, again, Castiel is an angel. See, this is the problem of introducing things like angels in, like, your third season, is by the 13th season, you can't escalate that much farther. Yeah, there's there's not much more. And believe me, they try. They try real hard in this show. So they say, yeah, we know that everything looked incredibly realistic with things flying around and dead bodies. But nope, it was just corn syrup and dummies and fishing line. And you were all completely fooled. Wink. Uh, so they, uh, the kid returns Castiel and the two Winchester brothers to the real world. They immediately destroy the knife in a way that looks kind of hurtful because they light it on fire with a blowtorch and holy oil. But, you know, the kid doesn't seem to mind. No, it's not like a like most of the ghosts in this show. When this happens, they usually do those kind of screaming, explode into ashes and, and smoke and just disappear. Like but yeah, yeah. A, a very Buffy death. And instead, this episode is more like a, I am resigned to my fate, and now I will move on. Goodbye. My unfinished business is done. I am free to accept. Goodbye. 
So afterwards, they go back to the store, and Alan, the owner, is just about to sign the store over to Jay, the evil real estate developer, when who should walk in but our brave heroes? And they say, don't sign that. Jay was the bad guy the whole time. Gasp. Jinkies. Uh, And uh, uh, Jay says, like, okay, so maybe I did that, but there's no way for you to prove it. And around that time, sirens and lights are outside, and they say, nope, we got you on tax evasion instead. Like, I know, <laughs> I know that Sam is smart. I know that Sam either, like, graduated law school or was about to go to law school when the show starts. But Sam is apparently astonishingly good at this and can make the wheels of justice grind incredibly fast. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? There's there's a lot of hand waving when it comes to normal people things happening in this show. Uh and as Jay is arrested and being put into the cop car, he says that he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. Oh, it's also important to note that Dean had showed up in this this live action scene Wearing an ascot. Yes, because he's been turned around on ascots now. He thinks they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. And uh, he uh, looks at the camera and he says, he goes, oh my God, I can't believe he said it. He said the thing. And he squares up and he goes, oh, a Scooby-Dooby-Doo. As the camera goes down into that the, the pinpointy thing. I, what, what does that even call that? The irising in, maybe? Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. He, he does the Scooby-Doo. At which point Sam says, what are you doing? I, I, it's what Scooby always does at the end of the episode. He looks into the camera. Thus revealing that Dean knows there's a camera there, which is a whole other can of worms. Uh, you, you know what? I, I think by this point in their lives, re-lives, afterlives, <laughs> who knows, um, they're at a point where, you know, we've met God. I think we can just assume things are weird all the time. This is a very fun episode. I would recommend it to anyone, honestly. You don't need to have seen Scooby-Doo other than just, like, knowing it through cultural osmosis. You definitely don't need to have seen Supernatural. It's just a fun crossover. It's it's a nice one TV show gets to act as the straight man to another TV show. Yes, absolutely. It's it's the best of a crossover where you go, what if X and Y met? Because as they point out, their their stories are very similar. They just lead to extremely different ends and conclusions. Yeah, it there's never a season finale of Scooby Doo where Shaggy has sacrificed himself so that the rest of the gang can you know now I say that <laughs> there is there is Scooby Doo Mystery Inc., which actually dealt with like an ongoing plot happening throughout the two seasons of it, ending with uh, a sort of mind wipe. <laughs> it's it's a fucking great show. Watch watch Scooby Doo Mysteries Inc. Because it's very good. But the problem is, in the next season, Velma and Daphne team up and say, we need a Shaggy in the world. How can the world exist without a Shaggy? And they rip him out of heaven. Exactly. It's all explained in the musical episode. <laughs> it kind of is. Stupidly <laughs> tough. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of Scooby Natural in a nutshell. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too because I'm always a fan of when a TV show says "fuck the format," let's take a big fucking swing. It reminds me a lot of the Black and White X Files episode, which is shot like a like a classic Frankenstein uh, movie, and it is. Another one of those things where it takes the um, the concepts of the of the universe that these characters are in, amps them up to eleven, and it's absolutely hilarious. The postmodern pr- Prometheus is that episode. Exactly. exactly. So. so Sam. Hmm. 
Is it camp? Is Scooby Natural, a crossover episode between Scooby-Doo and Supernatural, camp? Yeah, you know, this is camp. This is, I mean, you're, you're taking two hit franchises with devoted fan bases and you're you're getting the best essences of both mixed into one episode that while inconsequential to both it 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 does it with a sincerity and love and i think again that's that's the thing we return return to a lot with the understanding of camp is sincerity right uh the writers for Supernatural didn't go in saying, oh, let's just rip Scooby-Doo to fucking shreds. Let's make it, <laughs> let's make like Shaggy piss himself seeing a ghost. Right? No, it was... The dog's going to learn a lesson. Scooby's had it too good for too long. <laughs> and now it takes me, a cishet white man, to pull the window shade back on everyone's love for scooby-doo no it it's camp it's silly you have you have weird sexual undertones coming from velma towards sam <clears throat> uh, i mean the 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 characters barely questioning why they're in a cartoon they're just like weird weird thing is happening cool let's roll with it all right good for you guys it really is the best of both worlds happening in this episode. And uh, it, it makes for just a really charming and funny uh, 45 minutes of television. Is this the Hannah Montana opening titles? Cause we've got the best of both worlds. Oh, is that a Hannah Montana reference? Yeah, it's the Hannah Montana theme song. Oh, does she sing about the best of both worlds? You got the best of both worlds because she's a normal kid and then she's a pop star. Oh. <laughs> well, good, good for her. I mean, doesn't anybody notice that her father is Billy Ray Cyrus and ma- maybe. Famous uh, pop star Hannah Montana has blonde hair, but the kid in the show has brown hair. Okay, and that's I why know, they I know. I know we give Clark Kent a lot of shit for being <laughs> but really the, the Clark Kent Superman thing makes sense because nobody's thinking, well, Superman must obviously have a secret identity he's walking around with. No, most people think Superman is Superman all the fucking time. Yeah. Uh, so Sarah, I personally am torn. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I, when I'm thinking about this, I feel like the needle's going back and forth really well between just like, this is good comedy and this is camp. Am I laughing because it's camp or am I laughing because it's good comedy? That is a very difficult question sometimes. And yeah, it is upending the idea of Scooby-Doo. But at the same time, I'm also very aware that it is upending the world of Scooby-Doo in a way that is deemed appropriate by the Scooby-Doo rights holders. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, we can poke as much fun as we want to, but we cannot have Daphne Tarantinoing her way down a hallway with a shotgun. As much as we want to. But at the same time, I'm going like, if... If they were Tarantinoing, I don't think it would be as charming as this episode is. No. Which it really, really is. There's a there's a great deal of love on all sides. But at the same time, I I I come down to the, on the corporate nature of this episode, where I'm like, do do I cut it slack when it is deemed appropriate comedy? by the powers that be am i just feeding into what the conglomerate wants me to think or yes is it ridiculous and funny and sincere i honestly still cannot make a judgment i i think this is one where i have to be on the fence i have thought about this a while and i still can't make a judgment on this one 
how about we 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 throw it on like a while not camp and not not camp camp not camp whether it's his nobler (laughs) (laughs) in the mind to suffer the scooby snacks of outrageous fort uh alas poor yorick you know i knew him once horatio (laughs) see that's matthew lillard performance uh, no, Matthew Lillard would give an earnest performance of it because he is a classically trained Shakespearean actor. Who, again, has stumbled into playing uh, Shaggy and will take this until the grave. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll have to pry it out of his cold, dead hands. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know. I, You know what? I think... I think if I have to make a judgment, I say that this is camp, but it is corporate approved camp. And as such, I am slightly wary of it. You know, that's absolutely a fair, uh, you know, uh, Camp Co. Uh, subsidiary <laughs> of Is It Camp. Uh, it's being run through our lawyers right now. And we are just checking. Hold on. I'm getting a fax. <laughs> That's me tearing it off from the thing. And uh, yeah, they say that is an okay judgment, but if you could refrain from shitting on the corporate machine any further, <laughs> lest we were with a younger, hotter model. Please and thank <laughs> you, accounting. Right. I've also been thinking about Greta Gerwig's upcoming uh, Barbie movie, which is starring Margot Robbie as uh as um barbie and ryan gosling as ken and i this this is sparking the same feelings in me where i'm like a greta gerwig movie starring margot robbie and ryan gosling i'm all in it's a barbie movie it's either going to be us with josie and the pussycats going this is the funniest movie it subverts so much shit and then the rest of the world going man we don't get it Or it'll be the exact opposite where both of us come out and go like, well, that was awful. And the rest of the world's like, oh, it's so funny. And then we see a million memes for 30 years about it. Speaking of which, I do think that at some point in the future, we are going to have to revisit the live action Scooby-Doo movie. The first one, at least. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, we got to do both. Okay. I haven't seen the second one. I only saw the first one. Oh, man. The second one's... uh... (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot it's it gets weird and horny in places in that james <laughs> james gunn style of getting horny oh dear <laughs> that that is a promising and threatening uh invitation to watch <laughs> so thank you for joining us today on our exploration of scooby natural a sentence that i just said <laughs> Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice, leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes. And next week we'll be uh, going someplace great because it's the beginning of Pride Month. This is our first ever Pride Month. Pride Month. Everything rainbows. Bring in all the kink. Kink deserves to be at pride and get out of here corporations boo his boo no banks at pride yeah no banks at pride unless your last name is banks at which point you're fine it's okay unless you're mr banks from mary poppins but he learned his lesson by the end exactly Mm -hmm. so in an effort to you know really celebrate pride month next week and for the following weeks after we will be doing uh distinctly queer cinema oh like uh disney's live action beauty and the beast yeah you know the first live action disney movie to ever have a gay in it right yeah 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 like like one of those except you know not being said every two years so next week we will be starting with but I'm a cheerleader. I'm excited. I've only seen this movie once. 
I've never seen this movie. Oh, oh, Sam, you are in for a treat. Speaking of Casper, Kathy Moriarty is in this movie, and you are going to fall in love with her. Great. I love that. I love that for us, and I love that for her. But, uh, yeah, we'll be focusing on various LGBTQ plus properties for the month of Pride. And in an effort to help with that, we will also be discussing ways that you, our audience, might be able to help others out during this Pride season. Yeah, it's um, it's 2022. We're living in the future, but uh, this still sucks for a lot of people. So we're going to take the, the joy, but we're also going to talk about what we can do to make the world better. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you looked outside of it, but apparently a whole lot of people have decided, hey, bigotry should be in again. We've already done this in the 90s. We're not going back to the fashions of the 90s. Listen, low-waisted jeans were going to come back, and then we had a whole pandemic. You don't want to see what happens next to repeat, to uh, to stop anything else coming back. Listen, I, I just want the the cool future aesthetic of late 90s videos. Ooh, yes, everything's in hyper-saturated color. I, I want to walk outside and look like I'm living in a goddamn 1950s MGM musical. See-through technology. Why don't we have more of that? But that's the problem. Where do you stop? If you see through the tree, then you're going to walk right into it because you're only seeing the tree after it. No, I'm talking about being able to buy a, a new phone that I can see all the bits and pieces inside of it working. But it's also oh, like, like a um, cool phone. Yes. Yes, that green. needs to come back. Yeah, yes. that, that kind of stuff where we had all our N64 controllers in that see-through purple. Yes, I had a see-through phone. It was like it was cordless, which was very exciting. Ooh. And it was also like a matte blue plastic on the outside, but you could still see the insides. Very exciting. It is exciting. That's the aesthetic we want to bring back. But uh, yes, <laughs> way off topic. <laughs> We're watching But I'm a Cheerleader for next week. You, the campers, can continue the discussion on our Twitter and Instagram. I am at Hrys Indigo, all one word, R-H-Y-S, spelt the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby! <laughs> Okay, not too kind. No, not the way you do it.